If you'd like to take your sweets, we're ready to start. If you need more books, there are some down here in the boxes. So if you're a bit short of books wherever you are, there are some down here. And there are still three large print editions down here, if you need them. So welcome this morning. Uh, the band and all the technical people are now calming down and settling down, settling down a bit. Um, a bit different, so bear with us. But God is here, and God knows what's going on. So welcome. If you've got uh, some, a testimony or word, please come forward. It could be a prayer. You might want to come to the front and pray. You may want to testimony. God's done something for you this week. Please come forward, speak to Sean, who's responsible elder this morning, and we can fit you in. As I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking about something that happened many years ago. Things happen in our lives occasionally that change us. Not they just happen. And a few years ago, um, when I was working as a trainer in the computer industry, I had to go out to a gas rig to train people out into the North Sea. And before that, I have to say, I was probably a bit blasé about safety. You know, you get on the aeroplane and they say, here's this, and you're going, yeah, yeah, I've heard all that before. And uh, safety generally, I took it, but not what I would say seriously. So I went out to the gas rig, and it changed me. Um, you go out by helicopter, so you have to watch a video of what's going to happen. And that shook me at the beginning, because during this video, some of the people were, were chatting. A couple of guys were chatting. And the person running just said, no talking, you're not going. And that was it. They couldn't get on the helicopter and go. And once you're on the rig, each person has permission, if they see something wrong, to hit the red button and shut down the rig. And suddenly, the, the seriousness of um, all this came home to me, the, of the safety situation. When a fire drill went, you don't think about it, oh, that's probably just a rehearsal, I'll just finish what I'm doing. You move. I was having to train people during the night, so I was sleeping during the day. And you sleep, and I was sleeping in effectively like a porter cabin, pitch black. The alarm went off, I was on the top bunk, fell out the bunk, landed on the floor. Then you've got to go, put your dry suit on, line up, and you are ready to exit that rig. And then they say, that was a practice. But it's very serious, and it changed me. When I get on a plane now, I know if something happened, exactly how I'm going to get out of that plane. Which door, and how I'm going to get there. When I go into a hotel or somewhere, I think, if there's a fire, how am I going to get out? I think about it and plan. And it changed me. It changed my perspective. And I believe this morning, God is going to change some of you. That you're open for change. Something will happen that will change your life. You may have to make a decision as we listen to the worship, as we sing, as we hear Andrew bring the word. Things will be said that can change you. So please, listen to God. He is here this morning. Let me pray. Father, I just pray that this morning, you're here with your presence. You know what's going on. 
You knew what would happen before it did. And I just pray that we may know your presence here. I pray that each one of us may have ears to hear. We may have open minds this morning to listen to you, to hear what you have to say, to shut out all the, uh, the noise that maybe goes on around us. But Father, I pray that we may know your presence in a special way this morning. Amen. If you're willing and able, please stand. As you said, uh, this morning a bit different. We're going to have to use songbooks and things like that, so uh, hopefully you can follow along. But let's worship with all that we have this morning. Uh, first two songs, sorry. Uh, first two songs aren't in the songbook, uh, so that's going to help everyone as well. Uh, but we all know them, so it's all right. And if you really want to look, you can turn, turn that way. <laughs> turn your back to me and, and look, look at the song pro guys. <laughs>
there, Lord, you are good and you are faithful. Let's lift up our voices. Proclaim God's goodness this morning. You are good. Wash my sin away, oh, happy 
Yeah, Lord, we celebrate this morning for what you've done for us, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that we have freedom in you. Lord, we stand here this morning alive and free in you, Lord Jesus. Not by what we've done, Lord, but by what you have done for us. So we lift you up this morning and we say you are worthy. Worthy of all that we have, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This song is number 85. We'll sing Who Breaks the Power of Sin and Darkness. Yes. 
Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. We worship you, Lord Jesus. It's time for the children and young people to go out to their various groups. If you follow the crowd, if you're a child or a parent, let's not lose focus where we are right now. Lord God is with us. Lord, I want to pray, would you bless the young people, Lord, as they go to their groups. Help them, Lord, to know more about you. I pray, Lord, as they spend time together, Lord, will they go deeper in your presence, Lord Jesus. Reveal more of yourself to them, Lord. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, and reveal more of yourself to us. Lord, we desperately need you. We desperately need you this morning. Fill us afresh, we ask. Fill us afresh. Sing, who are Lord? Just number 87.
In Revelation chapter 5, John sees a scroll and an angel shouts, who's worthy to break the seals on this scroll? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was worthy and able to open the scroll. And as John began to weep, one of the elders said, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I looked and saw a lamb looking as if it had been slaughtered, standing between the throne and the four living beings. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. He was worthy, and they all cried out, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth.
Lord, we just thank you for this incredible grace, your love lavished upon us, that you chose the cross, even through the struggles of the garden, the, the pain and the rejection even, you chose the cross because we were lost in our sins. We were dead to you, but you desired that relationship. And Lord, we are now in Christ, received into your family, Lord, drawn close. Your spirit poured out on us. We are indeed a blessed people. And Lord, I just pray, would you pour out your spirit once again upon us? We need more of you. We, we just love you, Lord. We delight in you. And I pray for, for all of us, Lord, just to receive your spirit again. I pray that lives would be transformed here this morning. That your will will be done, not just in this church, but throughout our lives, throughout our communities and beyond. That the name of Jesus would be lifted high. Lord, this is all about you. For your glory, for your fame. And Lord, help us to be part of it, just to embrace all that you have for us, Lord. Amen.
Father, that's our prayer, that you would fill us to overflow, that you would keep on filling us, that we would overflow with your spirit, Lord Jesus. We, we welcome your spirit. We long for your spirit to come and fill us afresh. Come, spirit of God, even now, touch us, your people, that we would know your spirit afresh in our lives. Fill us, Lord. Keep filling us. More of you in our lives, Lord. Less of us, more of you. That's our great longing. Oh, God, God, move in power in our lives. Move in power in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If you haven't taken a seat, please take your seat. I just want to start by saying, Joel, thank you so much for coming in when you weren't meant to be here and for getting the technology working. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to the rest of the team as well for all your endeavours and hard work, Mark and others, and everybody was running around like not quite headless chickens trying to get this stuff working earlier. Uh, thank you for all you've done. Really appreciate it. Um, do you know what? I felt where Roger started this morning was really important. If you weren't here when Roger started, he, taught, he started with a word basically saying lives are going to be changed here today. And I've, I came with that expectation, that sense in my heart. And then Roger went and shared that. And, uh, and then a wonderful time of worship. And my prayer, I hope your prayer too, is God change our lives today. Please. You may even just want to pray that now. God, would you change my life today and go on changing my life, please. Draw me closer to you. I want to know you more. Express it the way you want to express it. 
Amen. Amen. There was a young police officer training up at the police college many, many uh, decades ago, probably now this story's a very old story, uh, up at Hendon, and he'd done all his training and his beat work and all that sort of stuff, and he had to sit down and complete his final exam. And he's working through this written examination paper when he comes across a question which reads a little bit like this. You're out on the beach and you're alone. And as you're on the beach, uh, you hear the ringing of an alarm bell and see two masked men exiting the bank on your left. And there is a car in front with its engine running with a driver. And they're just about to get in it. As that happens... Across the street, you hear a voice crying from the upper floors of a building. Help! Help! Fire! Fire! Please save me and my baby! And you can start to see billows of smoke pouring out of the top of the building opposite. And as you gaze on that and start to wonder what to do, a woman just in front of you collapses a very pregnant woman who goes, my baby, it's coming. And the question was, what do you do? <laughs> Allegedly, the answer one uh, trainee policeman wrote down was, take off jacket, merge with crowd. <laughs> Don't know whether it's true or not. <laughs> Friends, we're reading and working uh, out of the books of Lamentations loosely, looking at a series, step, stepping in, stepping up, stepping out, all about encountering God and being God's people. But the reality for some of our lives is actually we're a bit like the Israelites were. They'd merged with the crowd. They'd lost their distinctiveness. They'd laid down their authority and they had uh, allowed sin to become dominant in their lives, to take over their lives and they'd lost their saltiness, their distinctiveness, their light and were just like the people around them. Yet we're called to a different way of living. As God's people, we are called to a different way of living and yet for many of us and I really do mean many of us we may actually feel more inclined to do the what the young police officer did that we may be struggling with perhaps what could be called a sin confess cycle I keep on doing this God I keep on confessing it and then I keep on doing it again and keep on confessing it and we may feel we have lost our distinctiveness we may feel we have lost that sense of deep relationship with God. Perhaps we have been struggling. By the way, do we have a PowerPoint, please? If, can, it, uh, can it go up, please? Um, perhaps we are struggling around um, an emotion 
perhaps around anger. We keep on heading back into anger. And every time we are angry, we know it's wrong and we want to address it. And we come and we address it with God and yet we're back in it. Or maybe it's around bitterness and struggling with bitterness and that, that, how it just can take hold of us and eat into us. It may be other emotions. It may be fear. It may be anxiety. It may be ingratitude. It could be a whole load of other emotions we are struggling with. Perhaps, though, it's not even an emotion. It's an action. Maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe it's idolatry. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe there's a whole load of other things going on. Maybe it's a thought pattern. Maybe it's a way of how you live. I feel unloved. I feel useless. Or maybe it's the flip side of that. I feel superior. I feel that actually I'm better than. It could be a whole load of things, and it may not be anything on that list. To be frank, I could have filled slide after slide after slide with a whole list of things which we may be battling with, but which may actually uh, take control of our lives, whereby we feel like we are just, oh, I'm useless. I just keep on going round in this cycle of sin and confession of sin and sin and confession of sin. And I want out, Lord. I want to uh, be free of this, but I don't know how to be. It seems to me in the history of Israel, at least at a macro level, this is what's been going on with them. They've been pursuing other gods. They repent And then they go back to pursuing other gods. They get tempted by the gods around them, the Baals, the Shearers, etc. So actually it comes a lifestyle of doing that. And then God decides to act. To try and win them. To help them see the enormity of what's going on. And we know that the story is that Uh, 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 the reason Lamentations exists is because in Jeremiah we read the story of how the Israelites get taken captive by their lifestyle which they choose to have they end up being taken captive by the Babylonians by taking back to Babylon they go into exile they lose being the people of God they lose their distinctiveness they lose the city of Jerusalem they go and instead uh, they're just the people are just people who are slaves, enslaved to a different way of life, enslaved to the Babylonian lifestyle. And we can bring, read about the distinctives uh, of that in Daniel, <laughs> of what happens to a particular group of people. And I wonder, does any of this ring any bells with you? Do you feel like, I know I'm called to be distinctive, I know that God has called me into relationship with him, yet I feel like this this, uh, lifestyle, my lifestyle has got caught up with this cycle of sin and confessing sin and then go back into sin. And actually I'm coming more and more captivated by this thing in my life, this set of circumstances, these emotions, these actions, these thought patterns and I don't like it, God, and I want to be free of it, I don't, but I feel like I'm being held captive by it. And I wonder whether that's you today. The challenge, of course, is for many of us, 
we may feel, I don't know whether I want to admit that. Because if I admit it, there's a whole load of shame goes with it. Well, I thought I was a Christian. How can I be a Christian and stuck in a cycle like this? How's that work? What will my spouse say about it? What will my kids think of me if they find out about it? And the guilt and the shame can pile up and pile up and pile up. And of course, some of our behaviours may actually be things which we also feel really awkward or embarrassed over. Maybe it's an addiction issue around gambling or pornography or substance abuse. It's what we watch. It's what we listen to. It could be a whole load of different things. Well, in Lamentations we start to see God speaking to a people who have been caught up like this for years and years and years and ended up in exile, and there's hope. I want to just say that now, because you may be thinking, Andrew, where is this going? It's getting a bit desperate. There's hope. And so if you've got your Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn to Lamentations. If you don't know where Lamentations is in the Bible, don't worry, it will be coming up on the screen, but... Um, the, I'm never any good at remembering my, the order of the books of the Bible. You know, just confession time. But if you flick through the Bible, Jeremiah is a really long book. So it's an easy one to put your finger in. And then just turn to the end of Jeremiah and there is Lamentations. That's how I find it. <laughs> so Lamentations chapter 3, verses 40 to 42. And then we're going to read a, a further section in a moment as well. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, we have sinned and rebelled and you have not forgiven. Now that begs the question we'll come back to in a moment. And then th uh, verses 55 and 57. So the passage goes on. It's a part of the lament continues to describe what happens when we abandon God, allow sin to reign in our lives. And then we come to verses 55 to 57. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. Hey, this is sounding like good news. Anybody feel like they're in the depths of the pit? You can call on the Lord. You heard my plea. Don't close your ears to my cry for relief. You may be feeling that today. Oh God, I need relief. God hears. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. Father, we just want to hear your voice this morning. We want to meet with you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. We thank you that in Christ Jesus we can be forgiven anything and everything. Help us to walk free from that place of sin today. Help us to walk free from that place of guilt today. Help us to walk free from that place of condemnation today. Of feeling we're just not good enough. Of that cycle of sin and confessed cycle. Help us, Lord. We need you. Oh, God, come and meet with us. Come and help us. Come and bring us to a place of freedom, we ask. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen.
what do we make of these verses? What do we make of them? Well, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. God loves to reach down into the pit of our lives where we are mired in sin and shame. Please know that. Right as we are at the beginning of this preach this morning, please know God wants to reach down into our lives and to free us from that pit of sin and shame. But let's now just go back to the previous three verses and see how we can come free. I would like to suggest to you there's three really simple steps in those first verses. The first one is this. Let's examine ourselves in verse 40. What does it mean, examine ourselves? Examine ourselves, examine our lives. It means check, do a check out. How am I? Where am I at with God? How's my relationship with him? What's going on in my life? You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in life, we get so uh, pounded by the, the pace of life and everything else, we stop ever reflecting. We stop examining. We stop getting a, a perspective. We just get pushed and pushed and pushed, and the circumstances of life push us down and force us into a way of looking at things, a way of seeing things. And right at this point, it starts by saying, hey, examine yourself, examine your life. Now, some of us, to be honest, probably don't want to do that because we're feeling such a sense of shame and guilt, which we're carrying with us for whatever it may well be. We're thinking, I don't want to. I'm trying to hide from that. I'm trying to be busy in order to hide from that. But this morning, can I encourage us to actually pause to examine ourselves, just as this scripture encourages us to do. Perhaps to ask a question along these lines. How am I doing in living for God? How am I doing in my walk with God? What's my relationship with God like? Now, this verse says, let us examine our ways and test them. How do they check out? How's my lifestyle check out before God? How's it work with this, this issue which I've got? How do I feel about this issue? How's God feel about this issue? Let's examine ourselves. Let's pause. Let's make sure we are, when it says test our ways, how do we test our ways? We test them against scripture. Am I living the way scripture calls me to live? Am I living for the glory of God? Am I living for myself? How am I living? What's my life like? Now, you can also do that with godly friends. If you've got a good friend, a good godly friend, you can say, hey, what do you see of my life? What do you see of my life? What's your observation? What do you think? How do you think I'm doing? Sometimes it can be really helpful to have somebody else we can bash that sort of stuff around with. Obviously, you've got to feel secure with them, so make sure you choose the person well. But if they're a good, godly friend, they can help to do that. And the thing is, as we do that, we may start to realize we're living under, under fear or under condemnation or under a sense of guilt or shame. And that's why it's important to stop, to see what's going on, to understand what's going on, because God doesn't want us to live like that. 
He wants us to be free of that. That's what Jesus came to do, came to bring freedom, as Rob was preaching last week. So we do need to uh, make a distinction here, by the way, between conviction and condemnation. Two words both beginning with co, conviction. That is where the Spirit of God wants to uh, highlight something in our life and draw us to the Father that we can deal with it. Condemnation is what, the, is what Satan loves to do. Loves to squash us and say, you're, you're no good, you're rotten, you're useless. You're just a bag of whatever. Now, if Satan's condemning you today, you don't need to be condemned. Even if what he's condemning you over is true in terms of you haven't dealt with some sin in your life, Great, learn from him. Oh, okay, thanks for highlighting that. Now I'm going to go to God and I'm going to get this dealt with once and for all because I know I've got a loving Heavenly Father who welcomes me, who's dealt with sin and shame at the cross once and for all in Christ Jesus. I don't need to live under condemnation. Scripture tells us there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. We don't have to live under it. So if the Spirit of God is convicting you that, oh, yeah, I need to deal with something here, great, go deal with it. If you're feeling condemned, tell Satan to get lost for condemning you, but at the same time, let's deal with what he was having you over. Net result, exactly the same. Let's come to God who is gracious. And that's what the second point here is, return to the Lord. Sorry, I keep on looking at the screen at the back, which isn't working, which is fine, no problem. Uh, when I click, so I don't always uh, realise what I've done. Return to the Lord. Verse, uh, uh, the end of verse 40. And let us return to the Lord. Let us return to the Lord. Why? Because he's a loving heavenly father that we read about in the uh, story of the prodigal father. Who welcomes his children in regardless of what they've done who's prodigal with his love, he, he's generous with his love, he's amazing with his love and his grace and his mercy, and we can return to him at any point in time. You're going to return to your father? Do you need to return to him today? Do you need to encounter him afresh today? Well, there's some other words on the screen which may help you to do that. It starts, yeah, actually, if we're going to recognize his father, we need to surrender and go, yeah, you are God. And as we recognize he is God, that may well take us to a place, therefore, of both confessing he is God, but also to a place of repenting for our sin. As we gaze on the goodness of God, as we see his love, his grace, his mercy, as we confess who he is, and we do that in all sorts of ways, through reading scripture, through prayer, through worship, let's not stop there. Yes, we may need to confess our sin first of all, but also we need to repent of our sin. Crucial, you can confess sin without repenting of it. Do you know that? You say, I've done it wrong again. But repentance is more than just confession. Repentance is going, hey, I don't want to do this any longer. I want to live a different life. I mean, it's literally the sort of the, the word suggests a 180 degree turn. If I'm walking in this direction, I'm stopping walking in that direction. I'm turning around. I'm going back in the other way. 
I'm turning back towards God. I'm walking back towards my loving Heavenly Father who welcomes me and who delights in me and draws me into his presence. Amen? And as we repent, let's not forget to receive God's forgiveness. If I don't receive God's forgiveness, I'm not really acknowledging him as God. I'm actually saying I'm the determining factor here, not him. I'm the one who decides, not him. Which is, if you think about it, pretty arrogant, but let's face it, many of us do it. Oh, I can't, God can't forgive me for that. Why can't he forgive you for that? If he says he does, what's it down for me to choose? What's it down for me? Yeah, how can I have the arrogance to say, oh, God, well, he can't forgive me for that? Are we going to receive his forgiveness. That's what returning to the Lord, encountering that, that's what it's all about. Surrender, yeah, acknowledging who he is, confessing who he is, confessing our sin before him as we gaze upon him, repenting of our sin and receiving his forgiveness. And one of the most amazing ways which we can receive his forgiveness is we welcome his spirit into our life who stirs in our heart. Yes, you're a child of God. You're loved. You're precious. You're in his family. And he gives us grace. Grace is where we go, oh, wow, I'm forgiven. This is so precious. I'm loved. I can stand tall again. And yet too often, too easily... We end up in that place of sin and shame and don't make this journey. And friends, this journey is available to all, without exception. If you're here today, whether you know God yet or not, you can know him today and you can know this forgiveness today. And if you've been walking with him for one week or one year or ten years or a hundred years, I don't think we've got anybody here who quite gets to that point yet, and you still need to know his grace and forgiveness, you can too. We each can too. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say we have sinned and rebelled. Now I know there's another bit of that verse and I'll come back to it in just a moment. That's what we've talked about here. Return to the Lord, surrender, confess, acknowledge who he is, repent and receive forgiveness. Now in this passage, it says this, and you have not forgiven. What's that all about? What, what do you mean he's not forgiven? God forgives, doesn't he? Don't we know that? God forgives, do we know that? And you, So you may have read that passage or listened to it as I'm preaching on it thinking, that doesn't fit, does it? Well, that is a reflection of what we read in Jeremiah 5, 7. It's a reflection of what we read elsewhere, where God holds back his forgiveness waiting for genuine repentance. It's not that God can't forgive, he can. It's not that God won't forgive where people genuinely have come to him and repented, he does. 
So don't worry about that in terms of thinking, oh, hang on, is God going to forgive me? No, where there is genuine confession of sin, where there is genuine renouncing of sin, repentance of sin, God forgives. He breaks condemnation. He breaks Satan's accusations. He breaks the lie of the evil one who tries to keep us away from the love of God. And that's why I also read verses 55 to 57. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. And in fact, continuing on in that passage, it says, O Lord, you took up my case. You redeemed my life. You have seen, O Lord, the wrong done to me. Uphold my cause. You have seen the depth of my vengeance all their plots against me. And it continues on. But verse 58, O Lord, you took up my case. You redeemed my life. No, God redeems lives. So where do we go? If we need to examine ourselves first and return to the Lord, what happens next? Well, I believe there is one other thing which we are called to. And you may think this is an odd phrase. Um, I have to admit I made it up. I don't know whether anybody uses it anywhere else. Um, so uh, forgive me for making up a phrase, but hopefully it makes sense. Relational obedience. You may say, what on earth do you mean by that? Well, I think too often we can feel like we have to do stuff. I've got to live in this way. I've got to do this. And if we aren't careful, we end up getting very caught up in doing for the sake of doing to impress God or impress others. And that comes very close to something called legalism, where I justify my existence by what I do, what I think, what I say. And so I want to make a distinction here. We are called, yes, to obedience to God. Yes, we're called to relationship with God. You know, Matthew 28, Jesus in the Great Commission talks about uh, 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 go make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The word obey is definitely in there. There is a sense of obedience, but understand it comes out of relationship. It comes because I want to please God. Not because I want to persuade God that I am good enough. Not because I want to justify myself. I can't. I can't get there. I can't do it myself. I, I, there's no way I can justify my existence before God. But living a life of obedience to God because he loves me, that's the driver I'm loved. I've got relationship with God because I'm loved by God, because I know God, because I know he loves me. I want to live this way. That's a different thing. And so that's why I've just used this phrase, relational obedience, just to try and help us think through, well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And so, friends, what we have here is where we started is just understanding again the awful state that Israel had got itself into. That it had got into this sin-confessed cycle 
and that gradually through that sin-confessed cycle, it seems to have got hardened and hardened and more hardened hearts to God. And because of that, actually, they fell out of relationship with God. And God allows them, in their sin and their shame, to pursue that to the point that they end up being taken captive by another nation, and they get taken away to another place, Babylon, and held there as slaves. Not the free people God had called them to be. Not the people of God demonstrating the grace and mercy of God to the nations around them, but rather a, a ragtag bunch of prisoners. And how we can so easily end up in that same place. And so I want to encourage us not to do that and instead to have a lifestyle of repentance. That is where we keep short account with God, where when we sin, we deal with it genuinely and fully. We properly deal with it, not just to God, I'm sorry, I've got it wrong, but God, forgive me and change me and help me to walk in a different way. God, take me on a journey with you. Hold my hand. Receiving his forgiveness and out of that place of knowing the grace and mercy of God, fulfilling all he's called us to be and to do for the glory and honour of his name. I started by mentioning the word Roger had right at the beginning. He felt God was saying lies would be changed this morning. That only happens one way. It's when we encounter God. When we surrender to him. When we let him be God. When we let him deal with our sin and our shame. Whether that be for the first time or the millionth time. By the way, did you know God doesn't remember all those previous ones? Not because he's forgetful, but... Uh, Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so have you taken our sin from us? Well, as far as the east is from the west, a straight line is infinity. That's what God does with our sin. So you you don't need to come back to him and say, God, I've done it again. Because he sort of goes, sorry, what? Of course he knows, he's got knowledge. But he doesn't remember all those other things because he's dealt with them. They've been dealt with. Let's not allow ourselves into a lifestyle of sin and confess. Let's live our lives tender-hearted towards God, where we deal with those things, where we repent of them when we need to repent of them, and we uh, receive God's forgiveness, and we walk free together. Friends, can I invite you to stand, please? beginning that passage in Lamentations uh, chapter 3 it said examine yourselves so I just want to give some space just to do that for a moment so uh, let's just stand before God and you may want to say something like this Father would you help me to see those things in my life you wanting to address and would you give me grace to address them
for pastores. Just want to look to you. Where we've got stuck in things, help us to see those. Where our relationships come about rules and performance, covering liberty. Oh God, encounter us. Draw us back to you. Make your grace available to each and every one of our here. to repent where we need to repent and let that be a lifestyle for us we keep short order with you where we've done something wrong we come straight back to you help us to know your forgiveness spirit of God I pray help us to know your forgiveness the father's grace and mercy free us from the condemnation of the evil one Fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we keep close to you and we'd live lives of a relational obedience to you, free from sin and shame. In Jesus' most precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Please stay standing. Um, Just to say, if you would like someone to pray with you, whether it's related to this or something completely different, you may want prayer for healing or anything else. If you head to the blue wall at the end there, there will be folks available to pray with you. Uh, if, you're, if you're willing and able to pray for people, why not head there now so that people know there's somebody there they can go and get prayer with. Uh, we're otherwise going to be bringing our time together. Roger's just got a couple of announcements just to finish things off. He's just going to come and do that. Thank you. I'll be brief. <coughs> couple of things just to finish up this afternoon there's a welcome tea at 4 30 in the area out there if you're new to the church or looking to be find out more about it you're welcome to come you don't have to book turn up 4 30 this afternoon if you want to know what's going on there's a leaflet called what's brewing they're on the table over there and in the middle it tells you what's going on within the church As we close, there's going to be refreshments out there. But finishing with notices is always hard. (laughs) I find it hard. Don't let it take away from what God's doing. If God is speaking to you, deal with it. This is the time. Deal with it. There are folks to pray with you. Or you may want to pray with somebody that you know sitting near you or someone else here that you know. But don't let the moment pass. Please don't let the moment pass. Enjoy the rest of your day.